Welcome to another edition of Talk City Greensboro, produced by GTN, featuring interviews and events happening around town. It's an easy way to stay in the know while you're on the go. Subscribe to Talk City on iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, or SoundCloud so you can keep up with what is going on in Greensboro City government and beyond. I'm your host, Rodney Dawson, and today I'm solo. No Rosemary, no Josh, but I have a great guest, and we have a fascinating conversation that uh, my company's going to provide for me for us so uh, have you ever seen the signs or office buildings and always wondered what do they do there and well that question might surface a lot when hearing the title register of deeds so we want to answer that those questions today as best we can and we have the Guilford County register of deeds here today Mr. Jeff Thigpen thank you for joining us on Talk City Greensboro glad to be with you Ronnie absolutely and uh, so quickly uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you found yourself doing this kind of work here in Greensboro? <laughs> well, when I was five or seven years old, I didn't expect I'd be a register of deeds. Um, but uh, I grew up in Pender County in southeastern North Carolina. And uh, What's we, a city around there we can uh, identify? A with? little town called Burgall, okay. um, which is basically a road sign on the way to Wilmington, um, about 10 miles from Wilmington. My claim to fame growing up in Burgall was that I bagged Michael Jordan's grandfather's groceries. Oh. And uh, and his brother Larry dunked on a few friends of mine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I went to Pender High School, which is near Laney. Um, so I'm giving you Michael Jordan landmarks. Right. But uh, went to Guilford College uh, when I got out of high school, played baseball, and of course was was uh, exposed to a wonderful liberal arts institution over at Guilford. What position? Uh, I was a catcher. Okay. And we set the school record for wins uh, my senior year, two-time Old Dominion Athletic Conference champion. Did you, did you block the plate? Oh yeah, all okay. the time. I have a few. I have a few concussions okay. <laughs> to, to you know as, as a part of it. But I um, I ended up getting involved uh, in a number of ways locally in different organizations. Um, in the mid '90s, I uh, was a was a coordinator of something called the Servant Leadership School, which was uh, ecumenical in nature, dealing with a lot of faith communities. Also, with a group called the Beloved Community Center, there was a nationwide boycott back then um, that I was a part of. And so I got exposed to a number of fantastic business leaders in Greensboro, as well as the Pulpit Forum, which is African-American mm -hmm. ministers locally. And from that, it was a national issue that was resolved. Um, and what got me to politics was I was getting my master's in public affairs at UNC Greensboro and uh, got the Martin Luther King Jr. Award that they have over there. And when I did, yeah, yeah. a couple of people came up and said, well, you know, you thought about running for county commissioner. And I was 27 and uh, eventually got elected. And at the time, I was the youngest one to ever be elected in Guilford County. But did me, that for six years and but, became registered deeds in 2004. Got married, had kids, and my wife basically wanted me to get a real job. Gotcha. <laughs> I, I got a friend of mine. He's or mid early to mid twenties. Yeah. And he's uh running for city council in Raleigh. Awesome. And I'm like, wow. He's yeah. already gotten two master's degrees, but just started early. He's very focused and uh, focus driven, I should say that. At twenty seven you're running for a uh, county commissioner. Yeah. Yeah. It, what kind of focus does that take at a, where did that come from? Uh interesting. Um I uh What's really important to note is that in early January of 98, I lost my father. Mm. And um, he, uh, I was with him when he died. And, and in that moment, I, uh, I like to say I was in this space between life and death where I was with my dad. And when I came out of it, I just knew that I felt like I wanted to serve in a way that I grabbed onto one of the 
hardest things I could find and try to love it and make it better. And at the time, that was the, actually <laughs> Guilford County Board of Commissioners. <laughs> it's kind of like gun smoke. It's like Wild West. Uh-huh. And um, I filed on the last day and had to run in a primary and a general election. And um, it took a lot of focus. And and I was mourning my dad at that time. But I learned a lot about myself. And about 10 years later, I wrote a book called On Point, and The Voice and Values of Young Elected Officials, where I interviewed young electeds all across mm. the country. And I asked them several questions. One was, um, how'd you grow up? I think that if you're young and you want to consider a career in public service or elected office, a lot of it stems out of a story of okay. our lives and why why we why do we want to serve and of course number two is if you run a campaign what did you learn when you were running a campaign or why did you decide to do that you know if you get elected what do you learn governing and also what advice you would give to other young people and um, and, and in that book I, I interviewed just a ton of people. Uh, and a couple of names I'll throw out that are in the book, uh, Rashida Tlaib, who's first Muslim elected uh, uh, state legislature in Michigan. She's mm-hmm. in Congress now. Kirsten Sinema, wow. who is a senator in yeah. Arizona, who's now an independent. Uh, she was in it. Andrew Gillum, who ran for governor of Florida. Right. Right. And uh, there's a personal friend of mine, a friend of mine, Kevin Killer, who's the head of the Agalasu Nation out in South Dakota. Um and I asked him all those questions and, and just learned a ton. And and so, you know, just kind of bookend it. Um, I think that I would encourage people who at this point in time, we're, we're at a place in our country where people are in so many ways uh, feeling rudderless, that we're looking for a sense of direction. And at the same time, there is this enormous reg- reservoir of young people mm-hmm. that are coming up that aren't tied to traditional politics, but they want to make their communities better. And um, and I also learned women. You know, we, we need to do an especially important effort of getting and helping support young women who want to run for elected office. And okay. there are a lot of them out there. Um, and, and, and I think that they are going to be really important for the next 50 years, uh, of our country in, in terms of our direction. And we need them involved. We need young people involved. Um, and we need to reclaim a culture of civic spirit that I think would bring all of us together in the midst of all these divisions. Like to see it back in the schools? Uh, wait. Civics. Uh, absolutely. Um, would like to see civics there. And my whole point with young people is, when I called it on point, was they're not the leaders of tomorrow. They actually are the leaders right now. Uh, And I'll give you an important example. Locally, there's a group called the Out of the Darkness Walk, and they do it for suicide awareness out at Mm Trad Park. This year, there were probably 40 or 50 young people who were all teenagers that have either seen suicide, mental uh, mm-hmm. you know, mental problems and the need for mental wellness and wellness in general. Um, and, and they've seen post COVID struggle and, and they believe in our community and they are out there, you know, being a part of a, of a, of a process in a community to help people come together around that issue. And so they're doing it in a lot of different ways. Um, and I think we need to be able to see and acknowledge it. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, we're, we're talking with uh County Register of Deeds, uh, Mr. Jeff Thickpin joining us here on, Talk City, Greensboro, and if you're looking on camera, you see I'm by myself today. Um, uh, my two cohorts are, are away, 
But you're now the Register of Deeds. Um, and for those that don't know a whole lot about that position, I got a lot of paperwork here to help explain it to me, but they may not have it in front of them. What type of position is it? Is it elected, appointed, you're hired by yeah. the county or the state? Tell us. Uh, it's elected, and uh, I think you're right. Most people have no idea what I do uh, until they get married, mm. have a child, someone passes away in their family, they buy or sell a home, they get out of the military, or they need a passport. That's pretty important right. things. Yeah. And so my office on a very local level provides that information and processes to access them in a way um, that, uh, again, is very local. And it is an elected position every four years. Uh, it's on the presidential cycle. Um, uh, I blink my eyes, and I've been in this position uh, 20 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, and so you've had to run each yeah, time. What, I've five had, times now? Uh, five or six. Five yeah. or six. Yeah, I got elected in 2004. Now, let me ask you this. How long, how much time, of the four years you hold the position, how much time has to be devoted towards the campaign? Uh, well, this is the way I describe it is, and this is the way I would encourage every person who is an elected official to describe it. You are campaigning every single day you are elected mm. or you are running. So every single day I work with the public, how I deal with them, it is extremely public. And I'm very aware of it and that I have to treat everybody with basic respect and dignity and have to give them the things that they need. With that said, um, you know, you file, uh, I think this year is 2024, which the filing period was two and a half weeks in, uh, in 2023, in December 2023. And then you usually have a primary and a general. And I was fortunate enough not to have any opposition um, this cycle. And uh, I never take that for granted. Right. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah. So you, you uh, it's full time. Yeah, birth certificate. Uh, yeah. Uh, the main uh, what some things people really don't don't know about my office is that we're in Guilford County government. The sheriff's office and the registry deeds office are the only two elected department heads in the in the county. Okay. In the county government structure, uh, what we deal with primarily are two things: uh, land records. So when people buy and sell homes. Um, you know, we we have a lot of local attorneys and banks and title companies and all that who use the documents filed in our office to buy and sell property, okay. and uh, and it's done so so that notice can be made of these transactions. Um, it goes all the way back to like the 1700s in North Carolina because the original too big to fail, I guess, was England, um, <laughs> and when when uh, colon colonists came to the United States and developed what is modern state local government structure, intergovernmental structure. Um, registrars of deeds were, were very important locally because, you know, in England, if you lived at the top of the hill, usually they were the people that owned the land. Right. And then, you know, as we get into, uh, you know, 17, 1800s and the idea of people distributing land, um, ownership, registrar's offices track that. Okay. Um, and as we can talk about later, you know, those deeds included human beings, which, mm -hmm. which was in terms of, 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 of pre-slavery and into slavery. We had documents that, that had people listed as property on them. And so the land record side is really important. Then there's the vital record side, which is a person applies for a marriage license. They do it at the registered deeds office, need birth certificates. 
you know, for elementary school, for your kids, you come see us. If someone dies in your family, you can get those records. And we added in several other things I can talk about, but we also have a local passport office. One of the few walk-in offices where if you're looking for a passport, first-time passport. I'll need to come see you for that. Absolutely. Come see us. Now, you you talked about all these vital records that are in everyday life. So I imagine, uh, and you're located in Greensboro, and you also have an office in High Point. We can give the address out. Um, But I imagine you're very busy. Do you have an idea of how many vital records you issue out annually? Yes, I do. Um, In terms of land records, I think this past year we had about uh, 65,000 come through. Yeah, but that's down um, Mm. from around 90,000. And one of the things I'll explain about the land records part was we usually average about 70,000, 75,000 a year. And then when COVID hit, everybody thought our society was just going to stop. As it related to land transactions, it accelerated um, up to about 90,000 a year. So for two years, um, people were buying and selling property Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff at a level that we didn't. No, during COVID, um, during COVID, and um, and so while that was going on, I think the Fed and everybody started raising interest rates, and the housing stock availability began to get tight. There were a number of things that happened to where, in this past year and a half, the uh, the overall real estate economy has has tapered off, and mm-hmm. there hasn't been as many transactions. I know that people were saying in the next year they may cut interest rates, do things like that. But, um, so you have to pay attention to things like, Oh that. yeah, absolutely. And, and the, we're a revenue generating office, which means that more revenue comes in to the County for our, our for, for the County coffers than our operating expenses. So we operating expenses are around two, two and a half million dollars. We bring in about six and a half, seven million a year. So those, that extra money goes to help fund schools you know, and law enforcement and DSS workers and, and general county government services. And so um, we're a small office, but mm. we, you know, we have an impact on on county government operating revenue. Before we get out of here, I do want to ask you about the slave deeds. Yeah. Um, but kind of going along with that in the same vein, uh, I, I noticed you call them value added. What are some yeah. of the things that, you know, we talked about the main things, the, the vital records. Uh, what are some of the things the office offers that are considered value added or unique to the Guilford County office? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the whole idea is, is that as a county government, we, um, we provide basic services that the North Carolina uh, legislature and general statutes outline for us. Like I said, land and vital records. For my office, it's really important that we um, add value to those basic services. And some of those things are, um, number one, we have, a you know, like I mentioned, passport services where people can come in and get uh, passports. In 2017, we started something called Guilford Think of It, which was the first in North Carolina. Right. And um, we partner with about 400 businesses uh, to provide discounts on goods and services to veterans as a way of showing our appreciation to them. And that is connected uh, to my relationship with Guilford County Veteran Services and a number of behavioral health as a 988 behavioral health line that helps people in a health crisis. Okay. Um, there, there are tons of things that, that we do out of that 
connection to think of it to where now there's probably 36 counties in North Carolina that are offering think of it programs mm-hmm. through their registered deeds offices. And it's probably over 2000 businesses that are doing right. it as well. So if veterans want to come in, uh-huh. uh, they can file their de- original DD 214s. We'll give them a discount card and they can just present it to these local businesses that we have on our website. And so the DD 214 is the termination papers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you bring those in. And they'll get you started so the vet listening can just, yep, or watching. Absolutely. And we will, you know, we'll do it on the spot, take about 15 minutes, and then you can go out uh, to local businesses that, uh, like I said, there's over 400 of them on our website. And we, it's a very popular program. Can I ask you, uh, explain like a, a marriage license. Walk someone through a marriage license right quick. Okay. Uh, people want to get married. And so uh, they can they can file for uh, a license online uh, at our website, guilforddeeds.com. Um, the two applicants will fill out the information. They will come in. They'll present uh, forms of ID. Uh, it's a $60 charge to get a marriage license. Um, and it's good for 60 days. Uh, and then you'll have, you know, once you, once you pay the fee and, and get your... Uh, ticket to get married <laughs> mm-hmm. um you uh will go out and once you do it you have the efficient sign on it a couple of witnesses return it back to us and and that will be on record as an official marriage um get a certified copy of it costs ten dollars and when you get that marriage license you can you can get it in our office and be married anywhere in north carolina um and after you get married you just got to return the paperwork back to us um once that is done um and of course notable uh dates we're coming up on uh this year will be the 10th anniversary of same-sex marriage being passed in north carolina um and i think we probably had 4,500 couples that have been married in guilford county uh, yeah since okay. 2014 um and of course, again, we have birth certificates, which is a vital part of yeah, it. Yeah, I was means, just there for that. Yeah, yeah. So, and a lot of parents who have children going into elementary school, they come in the spring of that year. So, if you need, if your child's going to kindergarten, you need to come see us, order it online. It's also available, you know, in terms of that. Like I said, death certificates as well. Now, if we come see you and we're paying, um, I think I ran into the issue. Some of it's cash only or exact change. How does that work? We have a statewide system that mm-hmm. we use. Um, it's through uh, North Carolina Vital Records, and it's been an experimental system that we've worked. Uh, if you're born in 1971 and after that's been available, you have to pay cash and you have to, you know, exact name of mm-hmm. what you're doing uh, in order to get that um, birth certificate. For example, if you um, are born in Guilford County, we'll take cash, you know, check, credit card. Uh, come in and, and it, it's very easy um, to to do it that way. A little more complicated to do it through the statewide system, but it's still it's available. Okay, uh, and I'm gonna squeeze this in because I know we're running out of time here. You got yeah. a job to do, and you do well, it so well. well but okay, go ahead. yeah, I'll run through slave deeds of Guilford County. Yeah, we'll talk about. Um, we did something called Lance Corporal Christopher Phoenix Jacob Levy Flag Retirement Program. Uh, uh, Jacob was a Marine who died in Afghanistan, Native American. And while we love to name, and it's a flag retirement where if you have mm-hmm. tattered flags and you want to turn them into us, we can. And we get them to voice, to scouting organizations to uh, to retire. But um, he had, uh, I think there were seven people around him when he was shot that got mm-hmm. him to both safety and stabilized him for his mom, Amanda Jacobs Ballard, to be with him before he died. Um, 
He was an organ donor, gave away seven organs to seven people. The people who were around him were white, black, Native American, uh, Muslim, uh, Christian, atheist. Um, they were a lot of different people and, and who, who cared about him. And we see him as a young person, as a model of service. Good Grief podcast series. I right, talk which, about that. Yeah, yeah uh, that's a hard – it's hard, hard subject because we know that when we lose loved ones, we are both dealing with grief. Uh, and we're also dealing with a bureaucracy in mm. settling estates. And so we we knew that we needed to come up with a way to discuss um, everything from just understanding grief to understanding the bureaucratic institutions that go along with it. So we interviewed people from a wide sec- uh, spectrum of places from um, – Trellis and AuthorCare, which are two palliative care end-of-life organizations, to people who talked about green burials. Um, uh, Pastor Reverend Bradley Hunt talked to us about uh, the African-American experience, and we had people who were Jewish who talked about um, their uh, faith practices, and uh, we, we looked at the body donation. We mm. looked at uh, – we even interviewed Michael Moyer, who is the uh, – we said we had to – we got to interview a grave digger. Uh, that okay. was kind of an inside joke. And so we interviewed him, and the funny thing was he was like – he's got this real nice country draw, and he says, well, you know, people talk about being buried six feet under, but they're really not. <laughs> it's like it's really like fifty five inches, you know, oh. and and so we get into all mm-hmm. these kinds of. Th- I mean, we came up with with terminology. How do you understand where did dead as a doornail come from? Right, you know. So so we unapologetically go into this space where we we help people understand, you know, that we can talk about death and dying, and that there are resources in our community that are important. Uh, my good friend Mary Rake Straw helped me create the name Good Grief because she was dealing with her husband, uh, Frank, who died. And she was kept going to places and she was saying, Good Grief, I'm trying to get uh. this paperwork and I can't. Um, and so so we do that. Um, and we another value-added component of what we do is um, veteran coffees is that we work with local veteran organizations around that as well. So, um, yeah, so so quite a bit. Yeah. Now, what can we check out? Good grief, Podbean. Uh, it's on our uh, uh, website at GuilfordDeeds.com. There are thirty podcasts that we have, um, and they're available on you know Spotify, Apple, um, you know everywhere you can pod- get your podcast. Yeah, okay, absolutely. All right, and I wanted to make sure we got this in uh, before uh, doing this uh, Talk City podcast. But talk to us about the slave deeds. I'm I'm sure folks recognize the name, but how entail? Give us a little detail about. Uh, what you're doing there. Yeah, well, when you go back in the land records in the Guilford County Registry Deeds Office, uh, prior to slavery, African Americans in the United States were transferred as property, right, as a vital part of slavery. And uh, what we did was we went back into our own records and found maybe 400 deeds uh, that were literally the transference of people. And uh, Buncombe County did that as well. And uh, UNCG and North Carolina A&T and a number of organizations came together and have worked uh, around a North Carolina Slave Deeds Initiative, which is around 26 counties in North Carolina that's been doing that. How long has this been in place? Um, this has been going on for about seven years, okay. seven or eight years. And as you know, you know, as an African-American, when you get back prior to 1910, it is so hard to do any genealogical research whatsoever. Right. And so we went back and did all that. And in addition to that, we came up with an exhibit that we did. We did it both at the International Civil Rights Museum in Greensboro, and it was also in High Point, 
Locally, we focused on four families. One was the Donnell family, which is a very well-known local uh, African-American name uh, of name in, within a community here in the Goshen, Goshen area. Um, the Mendenhall family, which was Quaker, but they were half in and half out of slavery. Mm. Um, and so they had slave owners and they had abolitionists. Third was the Moorheads. Moorheads in North Carolina were the precursors to modern progress, the railway system. The modern economy in North Carolina is a progressive economic uh, state. And the fourth one was the Coffins, uh, Vestal Coffin, mm-hmm. Levi Coffin. They were the ones that were basically over our dead bodies. The institution of slavery is evil, and we're going to stand up against it in every right. way possible. And so what we did was we took the deeds and we took the families and created some questions like, okay, do these slave deeds matter? Mm. Are they important? And if they are, How? And, and by having those four families as bookends, um, a lot of us have a hard time talking about race. Right. And so the, the Slave Deeds Initiative and the project has helped us raise questions where people can, on the one hand, localize race and understand the history of it, and at the same time, personalize it in such a way that we can talk about it in a way that it's not an abstract concept, it's, right. it's a history. That, You're humanizing it. That's right, mm-hmm. humanizing it. And again, we have racially restricted covenants, which is part of it too, from maybe 1910 to 1940. A lot of times we, we understand, you know, Lincoln, quote unquote, uh, helped free the slaves, and then people skip to the Great Society programs and stuff like that, but people don't spend the time to talk about the basic um underpinnings of that system in a way that we can um, both understand each other relationally uh, and that we can see that we have a common um, a common uh, need to be able to work together to work through it in order to be able to get beyond a ton of these differences and systemic issues that come along with it that we have a hard time talking about Uh, and let me ask you this before you leave yeah What's it like working in your office every day, and what's what type of people do you work around? Uh, what's the what's the most fun thing about the people that you work around? Yeah, uh, <laughs> we have twenty eight employees, and uh, I've been there twenty years, and so in many ways they're like family mm. now. I mean, um, and a lot of people are career oriented employees; they've been there a long time. Right now, we're in the post COVID reality, which means that, and we're finding this all across. Uh, is that people are generally frustrated and have anxieties that you don't realize that they have. And so, um, you know, part of it is every single day you get new and different people coming into your office who need things. And we hold the public trust. And and I take that seriously because when I come in, I really want to be welcoming to Mm -hmm. people. And, um, and I, I notice it's important for you, sorry to cut you off, it's yeah. important for you to be inclusive as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, and that everybody in many ways are different. And mm-hmm. at the same time, we're all alike. You know, people don't want to, they don't want to have to park somewhere away and wait an hour to get served. Or um, I was going to say, you know, feel like you're going to the DMV. But you know what? The DMV is actually getting better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, registered deeds and DMV offices. Sometimes people kind of look at us and go, oh, man, we got to go down. to We got to go down there. But um, I think we're, we're we really have a reputation of being like a, um, a small town office in a bigger city, meaning that when you come in, you know, we try to treat you well and get you in and out as best we can. Are you always working? Even somebody stop you on your off hours and you have to answer questions still? 
Oh yeah. Okay. Um, one little story. It, we I have this dog Alex who we had to put down about five or six months ago. It was just horrible. Oh gosh. Good grief. We did a good grief podcast on pet death. You should. Yeah. I mean, it's real, yeah, man. It's real. I've been and, there. And yeah. so I'm sitting in there and we're putting my dog to sleep and we get done. And then the, the, the vet looks at me after a few minutes and says, well, you know, I know this is a, you know, intense moment, but you know, you signed our marriage license. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, good deal, man. We're cradled to grave, you right. know, uh, everything in between. So yeah, it, I mean, it comes up a lot, and I really appreciate it because I just want to help people. You it, know, it, it shows help people. In the short time I've known you, it shows tremendously, and uh, we appreciate you coming on Talk City Greensboro. We need to have you back, and um, uh, I'm we're just thrilled about the Good Grief uh, podcast that you got going on. And uh, so to learn more about the Register of Deeds, you may go to their social media sites found on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And also we mentioned the Good Grief Podbean, as well as the Good Grief uh, Guilford County Slave Deeds. Uh, you may contact the Greensboro office at 336-641-7556. That's 336-641-7556. And then you have the High Point office. Uh, that number is 336-641-6935. Register of Deeds, Mr. Jeff Thigpen, thank you for being our guest. Thank you, Rodney. Stay tuned in weekly by subscribing to Talk City Greensboro on iTunes, Pandora, and Google Play. And don't forget, you can download Talk City from SoundCloud. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in to Talk City. Be sure to watch GTN, your official source for news and information about the city of Greensboro. GTN is available on Spectrum Channel 13, AT&T, UVerse Channel 99, and Lumos 31. GTN also streams live on Roku and the city's website at greensboro-nc.gov. 